Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about what to do once you cross the finish line on a big client project. Yes. So specific. Yeah. Well, you know, I just wrote or just published a piece um, on my site called You Hit the Finish Line, Now What? And part of the reason I did it is because I feel like there's this thing that happens when we finish a big project, especially as soloists. Like when I was in a big firm and you finish a big project, you feel so good. You know, we go party together. (laughs) And then the next day you're like, okay. And then you clean up your desk and all that. And then the second day is when the fear starts to set in like, okay, I'm done with that. So now what happens next? And either we you know, get all wrapped up in our in our underwear about was the project really as good as we thought, or more likely we're just worried about what's the next thing. Mm-hmm. And as a soloist, we have total control over that, which is both, well, I shouldn't say total, we have control over, you know, our part of the exercise of what we do next. Right. And yeah, and so that's both a wonderful thing and a really scary thing. So my goal for anybody working with projects is when your project is over that you have the ability to sit back and really enjoy it, like bask in the glow for a little bit instead <laughs> of automatically worrying, I'm never going to work again. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, die on the streets. It's, you know, all of those things that happen when we're not sure what happens next. Right. Yeah. When you're, I mean, the implication there is that the project was, you were really buried in it. You're really, it was a lot of, it was a lot of headspace. And now all of a sudden you, and you probably, at the beginning, you might've set the strategy and the plan and all of that. And then you, but then when you get into execution mode and you're blasting through it and there's a million details and everyone's herding cats and you finally, you know, limp across the finish line or, or, you know, dive across the finish line, whatever, however successful it felt. You go from like having a packed calendar to having an empty calendar. A packed inbox to an empty inbox and you from reactive mm-hmm. mode to proactive mode and it's a it can be a, a super duper gear shift if that's the kind of project experience that that you're used to and, and certainly i when i was doing real what i would call project work then it was often like that it was very smiley face shaped in terms of the level of effort or at the beginning there was a lot of effort kickoffs, meeting people, understanding the stakeholders, you know, wants and needs. And then you kind of get into it. And then, and then the, the level of effort would ramp down a little bit and you're just sort of, you know, chopping wood, carrying water, doing the process, doing the process, doing the process. And then the deadline would be coming up or the end was in sight. And then it would ramp back up, back up all the, all the things that we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Or all the surprises start to crop up or, you know, the board of directors looks at it and they're like, this isn't what we expected at all. We thought it was going to have this idea. <laughs> so then we, in, in software projects, there would usually be uh, a really busy couple of weeks toward the end. And then leading up mm-hmm. to some kind of a launch or a cutover or some, some, I almost said ceremonial because it, it is just another step in the process, but it was very um, meaningful before and after, like before the system went live and after the system went live. And that, you know, and so your, your days in those really busy periods, your days are pretty much planned out for you. You're, it feels like firefighting a little bit. 
mm-hmm. no matter how organized you are. There's just too much work jammed because people just put stuff off. They didn't test the interface. They thought they did. But all this stuff gets pushed to the end. And and then it launches. And then with software, a lot of times there's still some scramble after that, like, whoops, production bug, uh, forgot about this, uh, data didn't come over properly. Uh, I don't know, uh, leading zeros got trimmed off of all of the zip codes, and now we got to figure out which ones are four digit. You know, it's like crazy things can happen once you go live. So in my mind, I'm picturing like this, this sort of like beginning of the project starts medium intensity, it drops down, it stays down, it scoops way up to high intensity, and then it it sort of tails, and then there's like this sloping downward curve to where the project actually ends. And maybe this is just software, but, but for me, it was always, it was pretty much always like that, where the, the project didn't, like it had that launch sort of ceremonial milestone mm-hmm. moment, but it wasn't really over yet. It was like, you know, especially right. with me getting paid in advance and not at the end. Cause you know, if you get paid <laughs> at the end, you know, when the project's done, when the check clears, yeah. but when you get paid in advance, the, and you offer something like a, you know, a six month or a 12 month bug free guarantee the project doesn't really end it, it does on a day, yeah. it, it dries like paint or freezes like it, a lake. I, I was actually picturing your smiley face with like little cookie crumbs <laughs> off the right hand side yes. of the smile, right? Yeah, that's a good graphic. But but you know, as you were saying that, I was I was comparing that to um, back. You know, when I was in a big firm, I did two kinds of projects, and one was it was kind of communication oriented. It was around a big change project, but our deliverables were all like communication stuff, and it worked a lot like the smile, except it was flatter. It wasn't, you know, a true smiley face. It was a little bit flatter, and it definitely had the cookie crumbs um, <laughs> coming off the other side. And then with more broad scale change, where I was working kind of side by side with the corporate people versus producing stuff for them, then it was more like the smiley face. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I bet that's true for a lot of people that are doing that project work. I don't think it's just software. It, I think a lot of the kinds of things we're talking about are where you're helping an organization, you're helping shepherd them through a change. Yep. And there's the, the kind of change where you're delivering a piece, like when I helped get communications on a thing, or where you're with them, like a trusted advisor through the whole process. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the, the, the smile is shaped slightly differently, but I'd be willing to bet everybody has some cookie crumbs. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a, a human nature I, th- I think the source of it is human nature and therefore it it's probably pretty common because it's like it, if if it's a true project the way I define it, then it's collaborative and there are probably multiple people on the client side who have a regular job in addition to this project. So they put mm-hmm. things off and they procrastinate and then everything gets pushed to the end. So, I mean, I, I, there's excitement at the beginning, so there's a flurry of effort and then it gets boring in the middle and so there's less effort and then all the stuff that didn't get done when it should have <laughs> just pushed to the end <laughs> and so you know and you can project good project managers can try and mitigate that somewhat but i think it is human nature and therefore it's probably very common um, so for me when you had this idea for the episode the first thing for me was like when you cross the finish line there's there's a skill or a talent to winding the project down because it's not actually done yet, at least for me. And that would be for just to use myself as an example, it was like, 
um, any big bug fixes. There was almost, I mean, I almost said almost always, there was always something that got missed, whether it was my fault or the client's fault or whatever, something didn't get tested or there's a corner case or something, something always happened. There's almost always a big bug. There's definitely a little bug uh, and, and lots of little bugs or tweaks or whatever. When the, when the car's actually on the highway, it's different than on the test track. So, okay. So things happen and, and I would be prepared for that. It'd be like, I would block out a week or whatever and just be like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to be available in case, you know, they have to break glass in case of emergency, highly responsive. And, but those, those, the cookie crumbs, there's like, let's say there's 10 the first week and then there's five the next week. And then there's two the next week. It's the half life is very Mm -hmm. short. Yeah, uh, because they want to get back to work. They want to start to to benefit from this thing. They're um, they're not interested in dragging this out. It's not a pleasing experience for the client. They want it over with. So there's no so so those things die off very quickly. And then maybe four months later, there's a quarterly report that they ran that didn't work right. And it's like, oh, okay, I'll fix that. No problem. And, but, but winding down the project and starting to transition, I would do it kind of not subtly, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like, okay, we launched. I'll see ya. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Don't contact me again, unless you want to spin up a new project. Uh, But I would start to use language that was like, you know, now that we've crossed the finish line or uh, at some point it would feel like it was done, done. So there's the day that yeah. it went live. And then there was the point at which it's like, and I would say something like, well, it seems like the paint's dry. Uh, maybe we could do a postmortem or wrap up a final handoff. And I'd schedule some kind of a, a meeting where we would perhaps talk about depending on the project, but there might be some kind of, some kind of ongoing support, usually not, but sometimes. Uh, so we might talk about, you know, possible new engagement support or maintenance. I didn't usually do that, but people do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, where that, that meeting, which is probably, it could be anywhere from three to six weeks after the big moment of launch. There's like this, Hey, can we just touch base? seems like everything's, everything's uh, running smoothly and, you know, do a postmortem. And then in there, I would be looking for a compliment. So if they, if, you know, I'd, I'd be sort of hoping for, hoping that they're happy. I, hopefully I know whether or not they're happy, but if I'm not sure, then I'd be, kind of be prying or, or, um, you know, looking for them to say something like, well, this is amazing. This is better than we expected or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then either in the moment, if I was really on my game or after the fact, I'd follow up immediately after the meeting with an email and said, Hey, you mentioned da 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 da. That's like super nice. Um, would it be okay if I quoted you on my website or some, something to the effect of getting a testimonial from the client once mm-hmm. I was, once I had an idea of how satisfied they were, how delighted they were. And that's usually very natural, very organic. If you do it, uh, you know, right after they said something spontaneously, Maybe I even would say like, oh, you know, I'm not sure if I caught this right in my notes, but I think you said this. Uh, Is that something that I could post on my website or is there something about it that I should fix before I do that? And then hopefully you get a yes. And if I did get a yes, I would do that. I'd say, oh, that's so great. This is like the, this is, 
this is fabulous. Here it is on my website. If there's anything about it that you want to change a different photo or something like that, then, then just let me know. And, you know, PS, do you know anybody that, you know, might at another company or something, do you have any colleagues that you think might benefit from an engagement like this? So ask for a referral. Well, and the other thing I want to point out is you kind of naturally went to a postmortem. And I think this is one of the things that people get frustrated with sometimes where they've worked on a project and they feel like it's over, but the client keeps asking them questions. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's when just if that happens, call a meeting like this where you say, okay, so we just want to close out you know, yeah. this, like, let's deal with any remaining, I mean, choose yes. your language, any yes. remaining issues. Perfect. And, and it allows you, even when the, when the client isn't sure where the line is, or you're not sure where, where you feel like the line should be, um, it's an mm -hmm. excellent way to get clear. And then if you're the sort of person who wants additional work, like some kind of maintenance contract or an ongoing um, advisory of some sort, you know, that's the place to either plant the seeds or close the deal, depending on, on the meeting. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's a thing that I've noticed in these projects where the, I mean, if it goes, if like, this actually is a good sign when the client is kind of clingy at the end, because it means that they really trust you, they've come to depend on you, they, you are their security blanket, uh, maybe that's a bad sign. Maybe, maybe, maybe Peter Block or uh, in in uh, what's that book? Um, Flawless, Flawless Consulting. Consulting. Maybe he would say that that was a that was something that I should work on. But I found that people really came to depend on my advice about the thing. But once the project's over, that advice, the value of that advice, goes way down. But they're just in the habit of checking in with me, and in the language that you just shared is perfect. It's like, okay, just to, to close this out and just remind them that you're not an employee. You're not going to be working with them forever. This was a, a finite project that is now either over or just about over. And it's time to either part ways or, you know, come up with some new way for moving forward. Maybe they switch into an advisory retainer or something like that. If they're really, if they're really like, no, 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 I need to keep, I need to have you on speed dial for other things or for whatever. Well, if there's still uh, value there, I'd be willing to have that conversation. Yeah, I think two words come to mind, and, and those are genius zone. So, mm -hmm. like, I'm not the kind of person that, if I were a software person, I would not want a maintenance contract. Agreed. Because I'm not interested. I don't like doing it. I don't want those calls. I like. I don't want to sell a maintenance contract. I'd be happy to refer them to somebody. So it's it's that's the other piece. This is the other reason, really, why I wrote that that um, that post is that you want to not do things out of fear. You want to do them because you've got a great relationship with this client. The work that you're doing is valuable, even if it's less valuable than the project you just did. If it's still in your genius zone, you like the client, you know, sell them the project, right? Do the work. But just remember, you don't have to do the things that are not in your genius zone, nor do you have to pitch everything. It's, you know, just allow yourself that little quiet interlude before you just go, yeah, 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 let's do the next thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good line to keep in mind. If 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 maintenance is not your business model, it's not your genius zone, then having someone to refer them to or saying like, oh, you know, I don't I don't do maintenance on software or whatever, or I don't do ongoing maintenance, but I do know some people that I 
think are really good that I'd be happy to introduce you to. So giving them some option and not just being like, nope, sorry, you know, hand in the yeah. face. Uh, but I will point out that I, I work with a non-trivial number of software developers whose business model is getting people on recurring maintenance contracts and the project yeah. is almost a loss leader. So it's perfectly fine to do that if that's your thing. But yeah, that's the, that's the thing because there's a lot of people who would love to do that because it's recurring revenue. Right. You can grow a business with relatively low risk. There's all sorts of good reasons, but not if it's not in your genius zone. Right. Just because you're like, oh, it's easy. I like these. Oh, I really mm -hmm. like these people. I don't want to lose such. Like you're clinging onto them. Yes. That happens. <laughs> it's like, geez, I'm like friends with these people. I loved having conversations with them every week or every day. It's like, yeah, it's kind of kind of a bummer. You know, it's, it feels like a breakup almost. It oh, but it, it does. Yeah. It does. That's why I always found the ends of projects were were like there were two emotions that I would have. One was, oh my God, we did this. I'm so happy. I mean, I used to write poetry, like ba bad poetry. <laughs> I don't mean like like you know Yates, but um, yeah, I would write these like funny things, and it would be part of the closeout party. And we would do it uh, like as a rap or something. And I would, you know, a rap. Make, you said a rap. Well. Yeah, I did. Bad poet I did. society. Well, because I can't sing. So and although one time but you can rap. I hired somebody to sing. So I can't rap. I don't bad. Sorry. Okay. Bad, bad rap. Oh, um, spoken word. Let's call it spoken word. Okay. Maybe that's a better way to okay. say it. And but, uh, you know, one time I hired somebody to sing it like a singing telegram to do oh it. My but my God. my point was, it, I was so we were we did these huge projects. I did a yeah. lot of spinoffs and mergers. Yeah. And it was you were with these people 24 seven, like you couldn't emotion. get them out of your head. So yeah, and I enjoyed them for the most part. And there were a couple that weren't as fun. But really, most of them, I just really enjoyed. So there was that piece. And then the other was, okay, we're done. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. I want to go to the next thing. And right. so it was those conflicting emotions. And when I was an employee, you know, of a big firm, yep. it, I was not really worried about losing my job because I would sell my own projects. But if I hadn't, right. if I was relying on being, you know, a, a replaceable part of another team, then the other emotion I might feel was, Oh, I'm on the bench. I wonder if they're going to lay me off. I wonder if they're right. going to fire me. I wonder what my numbers are going to look like. Maybe they'll keep me, but my bonus is going to suck. <laughs> so, you, you know, you do all those things. And when you're a soloist, you're managing all of this stuff for yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, so that brings me to the first thing I wrote down on my list, which is after you cross the finish line, the real finish line on a project, and it's really wound down. Um, the obvious thing to do is to go to your go to your waiting list of clients who've been wanting to work with you for you know the last six months, and you reach out to the ones that you'd like to work with. You say, "I finally finished that project I told you about, and uh, if you're still looking for someone, we can work on you know we can set up a meeting and see if there's a fit." You're all doing that, right? You have a waiting <laughs> list of clients who want to work with you, right? Right. Yeah. So this takes a lot of the fear away. If you, if during your client projects, and I know this is hard and I didn't do a great job of it before I sort of understood the importance of marketing your business. Um, you shouldn't stop trying to attract clients, even if you're in the thick mm -hmm. of a big project. And yep. that sounds crazy to people that are working 50, 60, 70 hours a week on a whale client project that's, you know, at the end of the smile and is super busy. But if you, if you stop tending the garden, the tomatoes will die. 
mm-hmm. and the approach that you that sort of I, the approach that works for me to prevent that from happening is to have systems in place that are frictionless, easy, that can perhaps go on autopilot for a week or two that you can just that that continue to work in the background like a salesperson, but you don't need a salesperson because we have tools and automation and, uh, and you have you could have checklists, all these things that make it very easy to continue to put your thought leadership or your expertise out in front of people who might need it and you should continue to, you're, there should be no dip in the number of leads that you're fielding when you're at the end of a big client project like they sh- it should you should be steady it should be constant so not so this is sort of like i, I hear i hear people going what i know but <laughs> I, d- I don't have that what do i do yes see the previous 300 episodes so yeah. i mean it, it's i know it sounds crazy it would have sounded crazy to me I suppose at a certain point, but I'll tell you when I was really doing this kind of work, project work with clients before I started doing a lot of advisory retainers, I was spoiled for leads because it was the early days of the internet and lots of people needed the stuff I was doing. So it was like, it was, uh, there was a lot of demand and not enough supply. So it was pretty easy, but then it got a little more competitive and it, and I would write books and speak. And I didn't realize I was marketing myself. I thought I was just writing books and speaking, but it functioned as marketing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And as soon as I stopped speaking after the uh, second kid was born, I didn't want to fly around anymore. As soon as I stopped speaking, it was, I don't know, almost instantaneous that my leads dropped off. It didn't, I didn't notice it at first because I still had a lot of ongoing projects and clients and stuff. Uh, but one day I was like, huh. I haven't gotten a lead in a while. And then it was like, then those, those projects started wrapping up and then it was just like, I don't have any leads. Like what, you know, and then that, I think that's the position that most people are in when a project wraps up is they're like, holy crap, what do I do? I know I'll spam my network. Hey, anybody, (laughs) anybody know anybody that needs anything that sounds kind of like this? I can do anything. Well, and not only that, but, but then you're doing it from a place of fear and we just, fear repels. And so, you know, I know we've said it a million times, but it really, it really is about having a very, very simple system that you follow no matter what else is going on. Yep. Right. Like short of catastrophe, you're busy on a project, you know, you're going to be busy on a project. So, you know, maybe you do, uh, if you're, if you're doing blogging or you're doing, you know, emails, then you do a week ahead or three weeks ahead. If you're, <laughs> if you're doing podcasts, like we missed our last one, um, you do mm-hmm. a couple of ahead of time and you have them kind of in the tank, ready to pull out and go. But these are all things that professionals do. And most of us don't start that way when we first start our soloist business, but we learn pretty fast after the first year that some form of this is required so you don't have that feast and famine. Or you have a little bit of, of, when I say feast and famine, to me, that's like high points and super low points. You just smooth out that. So you still have some rolling waves. You know, it's that's just, if you're doing project work, that's just the nature of the beast. But you're not in this, you know, this deer in the headlights. Oh my God, what do I do next um, place? Right. Yeah. So two things there. The first one is very short. It's like charge enough 
that you don't have to have projects back to back. So if you have real profits on your project work, maybe you're, oh, I don't know, using value pricing and having a nice margin, <laughs> then you don't have to immediately start the next project. Like your cash flow is not dependent on, you know, because your income is pretty spiky. It is pretty spiky in this kind of kind of a space. Mm-hmm. So you want to have enough socked away that you can not be desperate. Um, the other thing is the, like, if you were going to go on vacation, let's say you have a, a weekly podcast or a mailing list or whatever it is, whatever your, your system, your, your marketing system, your sharing system, your publishing system, whatever it is, social media, whatever. If you were going to go on vacation for a week to, you know, deepest, darkest Peru, like Paddington Bear, if you were going to go away offline for a week, you would probably schedule a bunch of stuff in advance. So if you're by the same token, if you're in the the bottom of the smile and you see the end coming, just treat it like you're going to be away and schedule stuff in advance. Like in this, use the slower period to uh, sort of prepare for what is surely going to be a busy period. And even if the busy period is farther away than you thought, it doesn't matter because you've sort of stockpiled your content that you're going to share. It's, it's pretty, it's super predictable. I mean, you might not know the exact date that it's going to get busy or the exact date that something's going to launch or whatever, but you know, have, have something in reserve, you know, like last week we didn't record, we couldn't record for scheduling reasons, but we had plenty of material to go through and be like, you know, pull something out and, and publish mm-hmm. it. So that's, you know, that's, that's a, an approach. One time I went on a, a 10 day, no internet retreat and I just took 10 of my sort of best of emails and scheduled them in advance and said, Hey, I'm going to be offline for 10 days, but you know, here's some of the best, you know, the most well-received articles I've written in the last year. I'll see you on date when I get back. Yeah. Or you can, you can build in, you know, times when you're not doing your weekly, whatever, and you, but you tell them ahead of time. So it's not Mm -hmm. like a shock and, and you manage it. Yeah. Right. I think it's there's there's that sort of employee carryover. Like I don't have to worry about that. Like in corporate, you just have to like set your out of office message, and you have your either your assistant or your junior take care of everything. Right? <laughs> it's like it's totally different. You can actually go on vacation, and I think yeah, and I think with you know that transition to having your own business. You, you just, it takes a little while to find those systems and set them up, but it's a worthy investment of your time. Absolutely. Yes. And that's the big point, which is when you get to the end of the project, you shouldn't be like, you know, like the ostrich pulling its head out of the sand and being like, where am I? What, what's next? <laughs> you, you shouldn't have no clue. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I am not saying things don't get crazy busy at the end of a project. I have certainly gone through that. That forced yeah. march to hell at the end has happened to me plenty of times. But completely giving up on the garden is is just not good. It's not worth it's like way it's way harder to get it going again than it is to just keep it going. Like you find time to brush your yeah. teeth every day. You know, sending your email doesn't have to take much longer. And, you know, and obviously you can set things up in advance so that either recycles old content that people haven't seen or whatever. But, you know, plan ahead a little bit. I'm not like a big future planner. You know, I I live in the now, Rochelle. (laughs) I know. And I schedule everything. (laughs) It's just not that hard. 
Yeah. One could live can, somewhere between it, our two extremes very happily. <laughs> yeah. But if I can do it, you can do it, listener. I mean, it is, it's not rocket science. So I guess that's my admonition to just remember that at the end of the project, it it's not, I mean, it might be, I almost said it's not normal. It might be normal, but it's not inevitable that you have no idea where your next you know, yeah. paycheck is coming from. It is not inevitable. Well, and I want to throw this it's out evitable. that writing is <laughs> evitable. Writing a book, it may not seem like a project to some people because there's no clients involved in it. But writing a book is an, is an example of a project, you know, that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people that want to write a book go, I, I don't have the time. I couldn't possibly do it. And then you decide at some point, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway. And even if it's just that you set an hour or two a day or five hours a week, whatever it is, you work through it. You don't let your clients go. You don't wait. Hopefully you don't wait till you're going to have three months of uninterrupted bliss. I mean, maybe you do. <laughs> if you have that kind of business model, you could. Unlikely. But if you're not, if you've got an ongoing business model, you want to find a way to do that. And it's, it's a great example of doing a project that even though you're adding it to the rest of what you're doing, I always think of, by the way, I always think of a book as a client project for people who have a, like a three plus whale model mm -hmm. uh, business. It's like, it's like, a client is what that what the book is. It yeah. is a project that feels like a client, so you need to make space for it. But it's it's totally doable, and we all know that it's doable, and a lot of us want to do it. And when we do, we don't give up everything else. Right. We manage to do both. Right. Yeah. Set up the systems and work the systems. It's, um, but that's not really, I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to get that in, not the focus of this episode, I think. Is there, are there other things that, that you think of at the end of a project? You know, we said testimonials, yes. we said referrals, maybe case studies. I'm not a huge case study fan, but. Yeah, me neither. Although I do like thinking about what about this, what might I add to my stories? You know, so that in terms oh, yeah. of a story that you tell about a thing that happened, you know, and presumably you're not name dropping the sure. client, but you're saying, well, when this happened, we did this. I like to think about that, but go do something fun. Like, <laughs> what? right? What? <laughs> like, take a vacation, you know, I don't know, fly to Guam, um, you know, go visit some family and, and that you haven't had time to see. Go plant a garden. I mean, if it's me, I'm always finding some kind of a house project right. I want to do, right? Or it's, you know, go have a really long lunch with a good friend and have a great conversation or stay home on a rainy or snowy day and do puzzles with your kids. Like, whatever... <laughs> Whatever joy is, like, do some of that. Do some of yeah. that. Get out and do something that isn't about work. That was fun. When you started, like, the go on vacation to Guam, I was like, oh, that's so not me. But then then you switched into, uh, you know, lunch with a friend. You haven't, you know, catching up with a friend for lunch. I'm like, yeah, that's totally true. That is like, that. that's that's my speed. Like, mm -hmm. when something ramps down, I'm like, what? what other parts of my life have been undernourished, right? Cause it wouldn't, you know, yeah. a lot of people, it's like they'll undernourish their marketing systems during a client project or just do absolutely nothing. I don't do that, but I will, but there are always trade-offs there. There's all, there's yeah. only so many hours in the week. So what are the things that have been undernourished 
um, there were times when for me it was exercise. That that was the first thing. Mm-hmm. That was the canary in the coal mine that I was getting too busy is that I stopped exercising. Whatever the exercise was, whether it was sometimes it was you know, I used to run a lot. Other times I used to go to the gym a lot. But whatever it was, that was a sign to me. It was very conscious. I was like, oh, I'm getting too busy because I've been blowing off whatever my personal routine is. So that mm-hmm. I, I really... I, I really like that. I, that's that was not a con, on a conscious level for me, but I definitely did, would do that after coming through a real busy period. You have to find the joy, and I remember when I finished my book, and and I, you know, I worked out during that. I ate healthy, like I did, you know, the things, but I didn't do anything extra. I said no to all extraneous invitations. Um, I said a lot of no's. And so the first thing I did was make like one of our favorite meals mm-hmm. um, for my husband and I. And then we'd gone out regularly, but um, I, I took him to a special dinner and it was it was like nice. And I went in, and one of my neighbors loves to make soup. And I went over and had soup for lunch <laughs> at her place. You know, it's like it's those simple things. Now, sometimes the trip to Guam is exactly what you need because you've been wanting to do it, you've been plotting it out, and you know, there's a last minute great airfare. For other people, that feels like too much of a project. Like I just finished a project, That's I don't want to have to work that hard That's me. to have yeah. fun. But it depends on the person, which is kind of the point, is you want to find things small to large that you might not have been doing and and use them like i i have a bunch of um gift cards to get a massage or like a facial that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and i they were piling up like i haven't <laughs> been using them i'm like oh, what is that too. about i'm taking two hours and i'm gonna go do this i'm gonna go get this service and relax yeah. so yeah it's just you know indulge yourself a little yeah indulge yourself right yeah that's a good one i would never have thought of that but you're right Cool. Is there anything else we... I love when people say I'm right. Sorry. (laughs) This feels like music to my ears. (sighs) I just fan myself. Yeah. (laughs) You're right. Yes. (laughs) Um, What else? I like that. I mean, we sort of touched on it, but we didn't go very far. Like the what did I learn? I also like when the what did you learn translates into a permanent change or an experiment in the business. And it might be like... I don't like to work with clients where this set of circumstances exists or I love this one so much. I don't want to do anything but this from now forward. I mean, those are, I mean, it's amazing when you get those kind of insights, I just work with those right away. Yeah. So one thing, so it's kind of like, what, what could I have done better? There's usually, there's always something that you could have done Mm -hmm. better. It's like, uh, ah, that one meeting, I really... Yeah, I let my emotions get the better of me or whatever, whatever the thing is. But I, I also like the big picture sort of like, especially right after the what usually is the hardest part. It's like, do I still like this? You know, mm. is this, is, am I on autopilot here? Is this, do I, what, what, is there a way I could refine this into something that energizes me even more? Yeah, that's a really good one. I, f- I think I do that. I, I think I would typically, I, that happens subconsciously for me, but I, I know it doesn't happen that way for everyone. So calling that out and being like, what have I learned? What, is there anything that I should, is there anything, you know, there's little things and big things and little things are like, ah, I probably should have shut my mouth more in half of those meetings, been less prescriptive, (laughs) 
let them come to the conclusion without me forcing it on whatever. Mm-hmm. But then the bigger ones are like, do I even like this anymore? Like, like what was my, yeah. what was my favorite part about this? It was probably like the people involved, but what, what was the, what were some of the, what were some red flags that actually, that I sort of knew and then yes or not, you know, came to fruition. How did they come to fruition? Well, it's kind of like a way to, a way to think about it is, you know, the extremes what are the things that happened that were painful that I don't ever want to do again? Whether that was something that I did myself or something that happened that that was the client or the situation. And then the flip side is, what were the things that were so extraordinary and what made them extraordinary? Um, I have an exercise for that on my website. It's like, what from... If you think about everything that you've done as projects, including when you've been like in a corporate job, there will be signs, markers of, you know, the situations, the people, the places where you were channeling your superpowers and you just felt like unstoppable. Like you want those things too. And then every, if you think about every project is a way of narrowing, narrowing, narrowing. And I'm not talking about niching. I'm talking about really getting into what you do well, what has high value to the client um, so that you can also charge a lot for them. Right. For those transformations that you're midwifing. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know if there's any, this is such a, such a specific topic right it's like a point in time inside of a particular kind of business i don't know if i have any other i wonder if there are other other things that people do that they could send in that would be kind of cool yeah i'd be curious um you know i mean one of the rituals i i used to do when i i actually had like physical files is i would actually i still do it electronically now that i think about it so when i'm done was done with the client um, I would take the folder and put it in a different place. I would keep it because, you know, that's been drummed into me. Um, and then after a while, I would scan it and throw away the paper. And um, so now I have like a section in my um, online filing system that is current clients, past clients. <laughs> and it's all there. I, ha- I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't keep paper. And the only paper I really have anyway is my notes from conversations. So I just... I, I, th- I throw it all away at the end. <laughs> yes, my, my version of that is I have uh, very, I have like only active projects on my desktop of my computer, nothing else. Mm-hmm. And so when it's like a, that's the ritual for me is like taking that shortcut off of my desktop. Like I, I shouldn't, I sh- it should be hard for me to update things inside of this folder from now on. It's like I add a little bit of friction. So if, mm-hmm. so, but, but it's very like ceremonial almost. It's like the, the, the deletion mm. of the folder <laughs> shortcut <laughs> and, you know, it's like this teeny little thing, but, uh, yeah, but that's, that's something that happens. And I've, that's to me, that's when I'm done. I don't do that till I'm done. Yeah. It's, I think having those little rituals and it is funny because sometimes like I want to set a bonfire on, on something and other times I'm like, Oh, I don't want to put that away. That was so fun. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pay attention to those feelings. Yeah. Well, I can almost hear your grass getting shorter. So maybe now's a good time to wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, since our guys here have moved from uh, Wednesdays to Tuesdays, it's a little uh, common backdrop. Uh, the working from home life. Yes. Love it. 
All right, folks. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.